Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. She is Katie Flower. We got a special episode here because we're going to be going over one of our co-owned leagues together. Our rookie draft is finishing up. It's in the final rounds. Our draft is largely complete. But I mentioned to Katie earlier today that it's a great topic for the show this week because it's got a little bit of everything. We're a we're a strong contending team. We made a number of trades, but also just the sheer number of avenues we explored, whether it's trading, whether it's should we be drafting veterans, should we be targeting certain players in this super flex point per carry tight end premium deep roster, you know, just a little bit of everything here, Katie. And this is the type of thing we put typically behind a paywall in terms of a UTH premium show. I highly recommend those. And this is one where plenty of people have done some of their rookie drafts, some still in front of them. Uh, when I last did polling about a week ago, uh, there were plenty of people that at least half their drafts are in front of them. So we'll be able to talk some rookies a little bit. We'll also be able to talk about team dynamics here and navigating trading, which really, I don't know about you, Katie, the, the two time periods during a league that are the most enjoyable for me in the trade market are a in the off season during the rookie draft or the annual draft itself, because everyone is looking for something different. You can redesign your team. Not everyone has the same amount of picks and the marketplace with veterans is all over the place. And then you get to the regular season where you can never truly catch up with the marketplace of what it's thinking because every single week it changes. And I love the opportunities. Both of those environments offer for player value and accomplishing whatever your goals within the league and the the space of player value is. So so welcome aboard. Great to have you. And and we're going to be talking about our co-owned team. And this is one of the the deeper ones. We've been working on it for quite a while. And here we are ready to contend. And it's time to every single step of the way, think about how it helps our team for the long term, but also trying to win more titles. Yeah, I think we came in second last year and it's been a fun league to be in. We had a ton of draft picks, mainly, you know, we had a, we had a couple, uh, at least one first and then several in the three, four, five, six round uh, and m- way more than roster spots would allow. We would have had to cut a ton. And so for those listeners that have a lot of, of rookie picks, don't throw them away for nothing just because you don't think that you're going to have room for all those picks you can make a series of trades or trade-ups to make it worth your while. And there's always value to be had. You're very rarely ever going to be just stuck with the pick. More than likely, you'll find somebody that will give you a future something for it. And a future something is still similar value. It's, It's perfectly fine at that point. Yeah. And we've been transitioning. I know we have a number of our leagues, whether it's, you know, one year in, two years in, three years in, et cetera. This is one of our older leagues. I still remember it probably was back in 
it's a 2006. I mean, it's at least four years old, if not five or six. Uh, when we did that startup draft, I still remember I was a couple different locations removed David, uh, from when we did David Johnson. Exactly. David yeah. Johnson was a, uh, he had already played one year. Yeah. And he was a part of the 2000, I want to say 15 class, maybe something like that. Right. So, so 2016 16, sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. And, and this is 35 man roster. So we have the ability to have depth at any particular position mentioned at Superflex, We've been building quite a tight end core, uh, but really well-rounded. You know, I, I feel like we're at the point of, um, you know, looking at different angles. And we, we talk all the time about the difference of team direction, the difference of where your team stands in terms of roster strength, that that can really shape the types of moves you should be focusing on on an annual basis. And we're at the point where later picks, you know, we're trying to consolidate up. You had mentioned, hey, it'd be really nice if we could end up getting some additional picks in 2023. Uh, that was something we had discussed that we were able to accomplish during this draft in a couple of different ways. But you start looking at your team and saying, hey, okay, we, we've got a strong starting lineup, but now if we can add uh, certain types of players that are strong starters that helps us. That's one of the few things other than future high, high picks that actually help us because we're pretty happy with the, the depth we have at all positions. And you mentioned setting the table. We already had uh, a couple of first round picks. We had an early second round pick. Uh, and then we had seconds and thirds that we already talked before the draft that we were going to be pretty aggressive in terms of, are we looking to move up? Are we going to trade those for veterans? Are we going to trade them for future picks? And we kept everything on the table. And that's one thing, I don't know about you, Katie, but I've been a lot more aggressive, proactive, if you want to use those types of terms. Now, part of it is the draft this year, where by the mid-second or so and beyond in Superflex, and especially in one quarterback, I'm looking to, I'm not going to say bail, but I'm looking at those trade for veterans, trade for future pick upgrades. I'm looking at those avenues a lot more than other years if I have clear cut target players in those ranges or just the fact that we're a strong team. You've got to look to maximize and go two for ones, three for ones. How does this help? help us as a strong contender as opposed to building out depth if we, we were a rebuilding or restocking team? Yeah, absolutely. I've been, you know, saying at this podcast, any podcast that I've been a guest on for the last three or four months, that this year's running back class is not that strong. There's two guys at the top and then two more guys, uh, Javante Williams and Trey Sermon are both decent targets depending on, on the price, but they're usually, you know, mid to late first, especially in a super flex but then you start seeing guys like Michael Carter that have been a big riser up draft boards. He's been going in the late first in a lot of drafts, even in a super flex setting, which there's always got to be a Fugazi. There's always got to be somebody. And with all the wide receivers that, yeah, you, you can get wide receiver talent on into the second round and it's fairly deep at wide receiver. That's not the main position in a rookie draft. You know, you may hit on a couple and that's, that's all well and good, but, especially in a point for carry, the strength is running back and there aren't that many. So to pivot either to a veteran running back or an undervalued rookie from last year or kick the can down the road and get future picks, any of those strategies in this year's environment work well. And most of the time, there are some leagues where you just can't because that's the, the market, but 
in most leagues, if you're patient, you can find a buyer. So this draft, and we, we have some good data points. I really enjoy the fact that rookie drafts are spread out. I love the sprint and the start, you know, that first week after the NFL draft. But I feel like once you have a few drafts under your belt, especially, okay, I've done a few one quarterback or this one's a super flex and I've, I've done two or three of those. You at least have the data points and feel for here's the guys I like, here's where they generally go. And, you know, May 1st, May 2nd, May 3rd, you may not have as good or you know, if it's data points or confidence of executing it yourself, we talk about that with startup drafts all the time too, that, you know, you, you need the reps and that's career, career reps, but it's also being in touch with the market this year. You know, how does this year look and, and navigating that, that comfort level and confidence that comes with it. So we were both coming from an environment and having a few drafts under our belt. And so this draft, as it starts developing, quarterbacks go early. You've said that before. Um, and we knew at 111, 201, you know, we were going to be in that Trey Sermon, Mac Jones, and there's actually a couple twists and turns as we were leading up to the late, uh, late first round that we're going to get to as a storyline. Because, but we knew that you know guys like Travis Etienne were probably going to be outside the realm of possibility. Those first four quarterbacks, um, and and a few other notable players like Jamar Chase and Najee Harris were, were just not going to really be options unless we were willing to go 111, 201, and probably something else to kind of move up into that zone, but. That the player that really ended up being uh, a, a high watch list uh, for us as it developed was Kyle Pitts. So kind of talk through, we got to the mid first round and we started making offers because Kyle Pitts was that glaring name beyond Harris, Etienne, Chase uh, that, that was out there. And we started to make, make probing offers and relatively aggressive ones um, that, as, as he started to slip in that mid first. Well, it was even earlier than that. We started at the 104 and they not only declined, but then they took Kyle Pitts, which can't blame them. That's, you know, very good player for a one and a half PPR for tight end. So, uh, but we, the thing is, we did the same thing that we advise listeners. You know, you're, if a player is dropping, you might be able to offer a discount, but we offered the same deal to all of those owners because, A, we wanted to be aggressive and make get the deal done. We wanted the player, but we weren't going to mess around with it. So if we were going to offer the same price for the 104 as where he ended up at the 108, then why would you try to mess around and say, well, now that it's the 108, we can just offer a first and then maybe just a, a player that, you know, this or that. We, we had a strong offer every single time. It still got declined. We didn't get it, but I think we ended up getting a very good deal done in just a couple of picks later anyway. Yeah, the twists and turns. And so it shifted from Kyle Pitts. Uh, he goes off the board at eight, like you mentioned. Javante Williams goes at nine. And so I felt pretty confident because Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle typically go off the board before Trey Sermon. So we were already kind of talking about, okay, we feel good about the Mac Jones, Trey Sermon as sort of the line in the sand, worst case scenario, late first, early second, because that's where they typically go. There's not a lot of variance and you do have these little pockets and Kyle Pitts kind of broke that in terms of he was the one outlier that sort of made it longer than we were expecting with the tight end premium format. But we ended up getting to 11 
And Jalen Waddle, this is actually the second or third time I've been in a position to leverage Jalen Waddle as that player that, oh, you know, he's in a spot where most people would view him as the glaring best player available. Goes top 10 in the draft. Um, you know, a lot of support uh, with him. And, and there's plenty of people in, in Dynasty that think he is going to be a dramatic impact player. I have some pause about that, but Waddle was there at 111. And I don't, I can't recall, Katie, if, if this team kind of mentioned it in, in our league chat, or we just had, like, it seemed like with some of the either offers to us or uh, some conversations in the league that they were going to be potentially shifting their team. And we ended up being in pretty heavy negotiations and relatively quickly with trading 111 and future picks for a player like Dalvin Cook. And we got to the point of neither one of us, I would say between us, we have, I would guess right now, less than five shares. It might even be less than three because I have up to this point, zero. And I would imagine you are relatively low on that scale, but I also have zero up until this. We have collective (laughs) one now. Yeah. So, so, but this is an opportunity where we said it's point per carry Dalvin cook. I mean, he scored almost 400 points in this format. I mean, like he was a major factor um, in, in this league and we are the perfect type of team of saying he can lock and load for us. You put him in their lineup and he makes a difference even for a strong team. So we had to be open and receptive to that possibility if the price was right. And so we did a little bit, I I believe, of negotiation, but we pretty much got to the point where I I texted you or called you where I was not really sure because we both of us know the other person isn't like a huge go buy a running back or go buy Dalvin Cook at 25, 26 years old, respectively. So, but you were, you were relatively bullish on, uh, on the Dalvin Cook and this makes sense for our team, uh, considering what the asking price was. Yeah, I, I, I was like, Chad, do it. And you were, you were trying to talk me into it. And I'm like, Chad, take the offer. And you kept trying to talk me into it. And I was like, Chad, take the offer. It's a good trade. Let's do I just, it. I just didn't know, think you were going to be, you're going to be bullish like that. But it didn't really feel like this team, and we've said this, this is a cautionary tale before, where even if you're trying to reconstruct your team, even if, and this is a, a new new owner, I believe, uh, this off season, but that if you want to reconstruct your team, you want to, you know, get your guys into the building. I get all that, but you've got to have a, for guys like Dalvin cook, you know, and there's, you know, probably 10, 15, 20 players in dynasty. You've got to be pretty firm and aggressive and, and get the right package back. And just looking at it from the flip side, I just don't think this was that, which is we gave one eleven, and then we ended up giving our 22 first and second which again, we're one of the strong teams in the league. So to project that as non-playoff picks is, you know, I don't think that's a smart thing to do. Um, and so, I mean, we, so we gave up 111, which again was in that Mac Jones, Trey Sermon for them, Jalen Waddle, who, which is who they picked, but in a late first, late second next year, I, to me, you got to get a really strong top piece. They didn't really ask for that to my knowledge. And you've got to get better than that. So like you were saying, I mean, we pretty much, you take it, you run with it and you say, we, we got Dalvin cook another potential hammer in our lineup. Yeah. Uh, it, it made a lot of sense. We did go back and forth and I think they did ask for a strong piece to begin with. And we were both like, no, that's not going to work for us. 
But when they renegotiated and it made it just picks, then it was it was too good to just say no. Um, so that you was said, the you first. said it before. It's dangerous, right, to trade a high level player for picks alone. You have said that numerous times on shows, and you've got a sharpshoot. So how good does Jalen Waddle have to be? How good does the first and or second next year have to be for this to level? over the next two to three years. And yes, there's going to be a point where Dalvin Cook is expiring in his utility and he will have, the other owner will have the opportunity for younger players. But it still doesn't mean that those younger players turned out to be cornerstone guys. And if you don't get any cornerstone guys in return for Dalvin Cook, that's, to me, it's improper process of selling a high-level player. Right. And if you know... If you know that the player at 111, let's say it was Mac Jones that they were going for, Mac Jones plus a future first and second would have at least, be, being in Superflex, it would have at least given them the opportunity. I think it's much easier to sell a quarterback in a Superflex than it is to try to sell a wide receiver because wide receiver, they're so e- that it's the easiest, one of the easiest positions to fix. But in any case, there are times where you've got to take some risk, but you want to try to mitigate the risk by at least getting a package where you can exceed the value on day. You know, right now it's just some picks, but with the right picks, it could be uh, really a good shot in the arm to your team. I'm not sure that this is a shot in the arm type of trade, but I was willing to take it because it's a shot in the arm for our team. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you, you, if you're a strong team, you, you've got to be open to these, these types of players and these types of, of trades where this is where to me, it makes sense to trade future picks, especially because if you can get a guy that can truly change your outlook over the next couple of seasons, that, that's the type where you say, okay, I'm a strong team. These are, this is, these are late picks, probably late picks. And even if they turn to say 107, 108, I mean, let's be fair. I mean, that still is going to be an upward climb to get true value in return. And so when I've seen teams bailing and sometimes you get the indicator that it's just uh, one deal and you're like, whoa, you know, they kind of sold for a lot of prospect and, and they didn't, you know, for a, a go-to guy, and so you got to get in on that. You know, they might be in in shedding complete rebuild teardown mode because the inkling struck them or someone told them that that's what they should do and they, or they don't feel like over the next couple of years they'll contend. And this is the day, this is the week. They're going to sell 2 3 4 of their notable players for picks, young pr- prospects of possibilities, and you need to be in on that. When you see that fire sale-ish sort of approach where there there might be 2 3 deals, you've got to at least be involved. You've got to at least reach out, send offers, because otherwise they're going to get fragmented by the other teams in your league, other contenders, your competition. So at least explore that, uh, because otherwise you're gonna you're gonna look back at the end of the week and say, man, they they totally they totally shave their their roster, and yeah, they got a bunch of picks, but they've got an uphill climb to be competitive. But all that production went to my competitors, and I really didn't even you know. I wasn't even a part of that, that rummage sale. So just, just know that even if they're players that you're kind of tepid on still, you know, click on the, the doorbell 
and, and send some offers so that you're a part of their conversation. Absolutely. All right. So 111, again, we traded that. We added Dalvin Cook. Uh, and then our next pick was 201. I shopped it pretty hard. Um, I remember that that um, you were you basically said, you know, we, we've talked about this and, you know, we know Mac Jones is, ends up going at 12. So it was going to be Trey Sermon or it was going to be trading the pick. I shopped it pretty hard, tried to get, you know, maybe a trade down, get a future first, get a 23 first, um, a lot of different venues. It all kind of broke down. Eventually ended up making the pick um, after a little bit and doing multiple rounds uh, that it just wasn't going to work. And again, late first, early second, it's kind of nice when you get a day two running back that, you know, obviously in point per carry, if he runs with that job for a cross section of this year, um, there's some equity there, obviously for our lineup, but also in the market value perspective. Absolutely. And this was a day where I was traveling. I was flying. I was on and off airplanes. I was going from uh, central time zone to east coast time zone. I got I landed and then I was immediately, you know, driving down to the lake to visit family that I hadn't seen in 40 years. Some some uh, removed family that were was up in the area and they were only going to be here for a short time. So I it's the nice thing about having such a strong co-owner. I gave you, we had had our little talk before, our powwow before, and I said, look, if it ends up either Mac Jones or Trey Sermon, I'm fine with you shopping the pick. And if you can't get it, take, you know, whichever one, I'm fine with either one. As it turns out, Mac Jones was gone the pick before. So you did everything you could to shop the pick. And then we took Trey Sermon. And it was so nice when I was finally done with my traveling. I'm on vacation this week, but I was finally done my traveling to sit down and take a look. And, and I did see all the trades, even though I didn't issue any of them. And I, I was like nodding. Okay. Yep. 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 And it was fine. I liked the fact that we got Trey Sermon there. Yeah. And, and this goes back to, you know, pre-draft conversations. And this is something, again, obviously if you've got a couple people as part of the team, then, then these are, these are requisite. And, and frankly, they should be welcomed conversations and strategy sessions where you're coming together. And this is really, you know, whether it's bigger trades, um, the draft itself, you know, a little bit about the waiver wire, a little bit about lineups, but these bigger c- potential altering situations are to me, the proof, the true power of having a co-owner um, because you're going to get all the good aspects of both people. And, you know, for, for any potential speed bumps, those get smoothed out, uh, you know, on the road because you're, you're collectively coming together. And, and in my opinion, you're putting your, your best qualities together and having an action plan, you know, that, that you're not really going to have those kind of go off into the reservation moments uh, of like, ah, you know, just kind of a spur of the moment. No, you, you talked about it before the draft, but you can do this on your own. Again, I mean, you should be kind of uh, workshopping with yourself about here's the players, here's the zones. And, you know, if, if something better ends up occurring with some rogue picks, so be it. But you really need to have, once you have that pre-draft and as the draft's ongoing, you have the clarity when you get on the clock of, you know, of, of what you're going to do. And we had already, again, talked about trading, you know, our later picks, roster spots, even though it's 35 man rosters, they were still going to be valuable that we can't, you know, it's probably not going to be optimal for us to take on um, a lot of these, you know, kind of dart throwish rookies in a rather tepid lack of clarity, late second, third round, fourth round environment for these rookies, even on our team, because we, we like what the stash players we have. And so exploring the trade market was going to be key from this point onward. 
Um, and we ended up, I think we only made one more pick in the draft and we'll kind of go through here, but you know, obviously there's some other UTHers in this draft. It's not like Rashad Bateman or Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, those types were going to make it too far into the second round, which they didn't. Um, but we ended up getting, uh, in my opinion, a lot of equity in these later picks and also accomplishing our goal of getting more picks in 2023, where we think that 2022, we'll see about the strength of that class. Doesn't look particularly great at this point, but 2023 is looking like it could be one of those more loaded classes um, all the way around that you're just going to want more capital enable, you know, to enable you to trade up and just get more targets in a more robust environment. And please, that does not mean just trade your 22 picks for 23 picks. Time, time it. When your 22 picks start increasing in value again, that's a good time to trade. Or rather than if, if you want a future first and they're allowed to trade their 23 picks now, rather than ask for a 22 pick, ask for a 23 pick. And chances are, because it's two years away, they won't think twice about it. They'll, they'll say, that's even better uh, because by then I'm going to be like the championship team. Hoorah. Uh, yeah. So, so 211 uh, was the next, next pick we had. We mentioned we finished second. And, and when we got to that selection, again, the guys in terms of those, those day two really strong wide receiver profiles, long gone. Uh, you know, Pat Fryermuth was right in front. Not that that was a big factor. Kadarius Tony was gone. Already getting guys like Davis, Mill off, Davis Mills off the board. So 211, this is a classic opportunity. And, and frankly, the way this deal went down is, is exactly the type of deal I try to do all the time, which is you get to the late in the round and you go, don't have a glaring guy. So you get a player added on, someone that you feel offers that injury away running back type environment. You know, maybe it could be another position if you need a, t a tight end or whatever, but, uh, or a quarterback, you know, and those start one kind of, uh, positions and, 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 uh, environments for the format. But so this one, two eleven, you target certain teams and certain players, but got Daryl Williams and then a 23 second. And this is from one of the weaker teams in the league where we already talked about 2023. If you get that pick early, you know, again, I, I'm, I think we're going to prefer that pick straight up. Daryl Williams offers injury away Kansas City, uh, accomplished younger veteran that that really could offer some startable weeks for us. Flip potential. All these things are in play for us. And frankly, I mean, I think he offers, you know, a better, better outlook for this year just straight up over any running back we could have taken it to 11. They ended up taking Amon Ross St. Brown. So a day three, a day three wide receiver. A lot of people are on him in the second round, but again, day three wide receiver. And this is a format that favors everything but wide receiver. So we were able to target a specific team probably on the early side in 2023 and get that second round pick. So now another asset in the class we like. And if we would have stayed, we probably would have picked Chuba Hubbard or possibly Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. So instead we got Daryl Williams, who is just like Chuba in the fact that he's one injury away. He's not going to start instead of Christian McCaffrey. And same thing with Ramondre Stevenson. He's probably uh, an injury away when you still have guys like Damian Harris. And um, I'm not sure if they're re-signing Burkhead that, that still hasn't gone down. But still, neither one is a lead back. So now we've got a future second plus we got a injury away type player of a similar caliber to the rookies that are there. Yep. And then we had 303 as well. Um, and this was one that 
I think I did this rogue. So this was this was me throwing out some offers. It's not like the board got better. It actually got worse because Chuba Hubbard goes, Ramondre Stevenson goes. And, you know, we so we didn't have a, a powwow on players. But to me, this was a no-brainer. 303 and getting Rashad Penny, who, again, first-round player that other than – there's some other guys that are on the, the high draft pedigree that have kind of proven that they're not great, you know, or like seeing a breakout from this point forward would be – pretty surprising. Uh, Rashad Penny has pretty much been durability at this point. Does it improve? We'll see. But guys like we've seen with Leonard Fournette and a few others where all they need is one healthy stretch and it can, you know, you're injury prone until you're not. And I think Penny's going to be a Chris Carson injury away at maximum from being something. You know, we'll see how healthy is this year, but point per carry, like I mentioned, they ended up picking Nico Collins after the trade. What were your thoughts on this one in terms of getting Penny, getting the pedigree, and, you know, kind of who was on your your shortlist here after Stevenson and Hubbard go? Well, I like Nico Collins, and he's a decent target in this range. But in, in this format, wide receiver is the least. I'd rather have Rashad Penny. Again, just the injury away type running back when you have such a deep roster you can afford, especially as a very good team. We don't really need, we don't care the fact that Rashad is not a shiny penny. Like Nico Collins is the shiny penny right now. And if, if his value goes up, they could probably get more for Nico Collins than you could for Rashad Penny, but to the betterment of our team and our team structure being point for carry, it made more sense for us to go with the, with the running back. Yeah. And and I know, you know, a lot of people, I like the profile of Nico Collins, but we could also be looking at this as, you know, they're looking for a quarterback for 2022. Nico Collins uh, is day two, which is no lock there. Brandon Cooks, what's his setting going to be? But if they're looking for quarterback and, you know, Nico Collins is, you know, a wide receiver two or even wide receiver one for that team, it still may not be mean big upside just based on how that team looks. Um, on offense that could be dramatically different by the time Collins is really rolling and heck Deshaun Watson's status this year for the team, even if he is there. So um, a lot and, of moving and to be pieces honest, there. Right. And, and if we would have stayed to pick, I bet you we would have taken Kyle Trask anyway, who went just a few picks later. Right. But um, there were a lot of guys in this range. Deami Brown was still there. Kellen Mond was still there. And even Josh Palmer, those guys are all right in this area. So you, you just never know. And if we would have stayed to pick instead of trading the pick, we probably would have ended up with Kyle Trask. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And what's, what's funny, we'll get to it. We're, we're getting there. Um, we actually ended up with Kyle Trask in a roundabout way. Um, another trade I made, which is we were looking at this point, we don't have a lot of cut players on our team in general. So we still had a fourth round, a uh, couple fourth round picks. We had fifth round, sixth round. Um, so these are going to be, can you get future picks? Um, you know, 405, I was trying to get a future third. That wasn't really in the cards uh, with some of the offers. Already exploratory because, frankly, there might be a couple teams in your typical 12-team league that when you get to rounds four, five, six, depending on how deep it goes, they're going to be interested or have roster spot availability at all. So I, I, what I found is you need to be ahead of the market. And it may mean that you're kind of operating on spec. If there's one or two players and you're like, I'll be interested, but we're still around away. I just don't think they're going to make it. And that's, those are the only guy or two that you're going to be interested in and say, Oh, I'm getting good value. And I actually want to make the pick if they make it. 
I think you need to be out there making offers because there may be one or two teams, like I mentioned, that actually want to give a future pick and a higher round or, you know, a future fourth for 411 type stuff. Everybody else is going to be like, nah, I'll pass. And so you really got to be aggressive to get that if that's what you're shooting for. And I already explored that. It wasn't going to be possible. So I was proactive. And for 405, I got James Washington in a deal. Uh, Oh, and I do want to mention at 311, uh, this was earlier, got Latavius Murray. So another injury away, could be flex viable, you know, even without an injury. But Latavius Murray, one of those could win you weeks type players if the perfect storm occurs. Instead of 311, Trask was already long gone, already, again, projecting ahead here with picks. But that was another one of trading a pick for a player that actually offers something for our contending team. Absolutely. And again, I felt a little bit out of touch than more than normal because I'm on vacation, but our communication through text messages and, and I would go in and check whenever I could. And, and I even sent out a few offers as well in the similar vein to what you were doing. So we were right lockstep with each other, even though it wasn't as much talking as usual. Yeah, but you got to spend you got to spend the five minutes, and if you, if you go through. But I, I think one of the themes I said it in the beginning of the show is be flexible. That you may think, oh, at four oh five, I want a future third. But you, but if you're not flexible enough to set, you know, or at three eleven, I want a, a future third from a team that stinks. Well, that's great. That might be your plan one. But what if you what what's plan two? What's plan three? So you've got to be flexible. And in this one, it happened to be going after veteran players where we are more successful. You know, trading 111, we already talked it as a possibility. Do we think it was going to be 111 plus for Dalvin Cook? No. I mean, do we go into this thinking we were going to get Latavius Murray and Rashad Penny out of it, James Washington? But all those things occurred. Now, the biggest the second biggest trade that we made. Yeah outside of Dalvin Cook was one that, again, you go into the draft and this was a, a cold offer that we ended up, uh, I think it was one counter. You know, we, we talked about it. We made a phone call, you know, get on the uh, the courtesy phone of the airport uh, to, to talk about in our war room how we wanted to approach this because we're a contending team giving up a quarterback that we actually think is going to rebound a little bit this year in Carson Wentz, but it was an offer for Carson Wentz. And we ended up making, we talked about it. We made one counter and that counter was accepted to, you know, in, in typical Chad fashion, get a little bit more, but, but talk about the dynamics of this deal where you want to make sure you're, you're deep enough at quarterback as a contender, but it's also one where we felt like there was value to sell at this time. Yeah. As you mentioned, we both like Carson Wentz as a bounce back candidate, but just in case we're hedging our bets, we ended up getting Kyle Trask, who is behind Tom Brady. And one thing that I've noticed about, you know, being a New England fan, the guy that's groomed behind Tom Brady, even if he doesn't take over for Tom Brady because Tom Brady is not human, they end up tr- being traded and being a starting quarterback for most of the other at somebody in the league. And Kyle Trask actually has some very good numbers, both in high school and college that indicate he could be a very good pro quarterback. He's not a running type quarterback, so you're not going to get that extra part of it, but to get a solid starting potential solid starting quarterback that's going to work with Tom Brady and, uh, you know, be in that Tampa Bay offense, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Plus we got a 23 first and a 23 third. We gave up once and then the five, six, 
the 511, 608, and 611, which we weren't going to use those picks anyway. That was the little extra. We got their third for those three picks, you know, and to solidify the deal. So, you know, would I have traded Carson Wentz for a potential early half of the first round of the 23 class? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So on top of that, we got Kyle Trask, who is himself a good bet, plus a better third, a better pick than the three picks that we gave up. All in all, even if Carson once goes off, which I hope he does, because I never want the other team to have a bad trade. It, that's who they were wanting. I don't know if they're Philly fans or, I mean, Indianapolis fans or what, but Carson Wentz could potentially still be a stud. He's now got a much better offensive line, but we were deep enough at quarterback and made, and we were strong enough every place else that that 23 early first potential early first was just too much to pass up. Yeah. And, and the, the status of our depth chart is, you know, we don't have a Mahomes on our team. You know, we don't have one of the top three, four five guys in, in Superflex, but we do have Kirk cousins, Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger, probably for this year. We'll see about beyond that. And adding Kyle Trask, you know, having a guy like Marcus Mariota, who's had has a track record, but we have enough right now. And the one thing that you said, and it's easy to kind of get addicted to being like, oh, I got, I have to have three NFL starting quarterbacks and two primary backups, or you know, four NFL starters. And and you always have this, you know, your, your mantra is it's super flex. It's not super, you know, you don't, you never said this, but super mandatory, right? I mean, it's not, right, yeah. it's not, you don't have to start two quarterbacks. Uh, you can start, you know, if we get down where it's like, oh, we got, you know, a guy on by one guy hurt. We have one starting quarterback. Hey, we can flex a running back. We can flex a, a tight end in this format. So you have a lot of options that, you know, if we lose Ben Roethlisberger to retirement in January, that's not, uh, again, I mean, we're, now we have, two first round picks in 2023. We added a, a f- another second. So we have two seconds. We have two thirds. We have a lot of powerhouse, you know, uh, uh, in that draft, you know, we've obviously cleared out a first and a second uh, from la- from next year, but the possibility of trading for quarterbacks moving around, you know, so, but we have three starting quarterbacks. Now we have Trask who we like developmentally um, as that QB six within this class. And then finally our last pick, uh, as we go through here. Um, so Carson Wentz, the, the one thing I did want to say about that trade was Carson Wentz, is he notably better than Cousins, Mayfield, Roethlisberger in a one-year scenario? I don't know for our team, does he really move the needle much? And there's downside of what if Wentz doesn't turn it around? What if he's QB 18 to 24 this year? And it's like, you just kind of shoulder shrug, right? I mean, he really, you know, what is that? A couple games that he really truly would have mattered. Who knows if he was in our lineup at that time and you get a future first, you lock it in where I don't think he's going to be the type of player that's worth two, two future firsts, even if he turns it around all the way with some of the career arc some people are already kind of off of him almost no matter what he does from this point forward right and would you mind if i outline our last pick yeah go for it okay so now we're at 411 i believe and i had mentioned to you we can take veterans in the rookie draft it doesn't have to be a rookie the rookies are pretty much all dried up of the ones that i was interested in and i suggested that we take blake bortles you know that my nickname is hallmark You know that I am the eternal optimist. However, love is not the answer. And if Aaron Rodgers does hold out, 
And if he doesn't get traded, if he does get traded or if he holds out and just doesn't play this year, Jordan Love is not going to be the starting quarterback. I do not see any possible way. I think that Blake Bortles, with his at least track record, would be the would be the go-to starter. And so to get that shot, and plus it'll be clarified before August. We'll know. We'll know very soon and can make a sh- shift if we have to. But for 411, there isn't any more higher rookie upside of any player left that we would have such clarity by August, early September, that it just made perfect sense for our team. And I want most I want the listeners out there to just realize if you've got Jordan Love and you don't get Blake Bortles off the waiver wire and add him to your team, he's very cheap right now. Nobody else is thinking that he was anything more than just a depth play, but I'm telling you, man, Jordan Love is not the answer. Well, and, and beyond the, you know, what, what, regardless of somebody's independent thoughts on, on Jordan Love, I think the process is an important thing to focus on. That if you're in an environment without a taxi squad, and when you get into the late rounds, so if you're still trying to fill your taxi squad, and you're like, you know, and maybe you're not able to pick them up right after the rookie draft or something like that, but you want to f- optimize every spot. We weren't in that setting. We were in a setting where we got maybe a couple of spots rotational. Uh, on our team. We really like our team. We're in consolidation mode, trying to add studs. So who knows how active we'll be in the waiver wire. So having clarity from now until week one, I think, uh, you know, Jordan and I talked about this in a couple environments where we took Cam Newton, you know, last year in the summer months. Why? Well, we want to, if he goes unsigned or he goes to a situation where he's a backup, then heck, you know, it's an easy cut. You kind of need that, right? And you're kind of alluding to the fact if Aaron Rodgers is playing week one, is Blake Bortles going to be on our on our roster in August or early September? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But at least we have that clarity. If he ends up being traded, holding out, I'm retiring, whatever, and we still don't have a good sense of what what avenue this is going to take. But if that occurs, he's an auto keep. If he ends up being the starter for the Packers, then he's worth way more than 411. Regardless of what your thoughts are on on him as a player, how good is he going to be at that moment? I mean, let's face it. I mean, even a, a low-level fill-in is probably flippable in Superflex at, in, at the quarterback position for a future third, a future second, second to third upgrade, and upside from there, depending on who it is and what they're doing and what the duration of their, their starter status will be. But yeah, Blake Bortles, you mentioned him, it, I would say, late third round, something like that in, in round three, I believe of what picks do we have left? We traded four Oh five. We still had four eleven, And that was a key part of, it was hard to imagine him not being around. No one's thinking about veterans at this point. And frankly, with the deep depth, it's not like there was a lot of viability, but putting again, you take someone just, I mean, you take Ian book, you take guys that were going around this, the, the odds of you having clarity by week one of, I feel like it's an auto cut. I feel like they're a strong hold at this point is so minimal with a rookie that you have to be really, really careful and, and utilize. That's why I'm a, a proponent of trying to trade, you know, 411 for a future fourth from a bad team or 411 plus the future fourth for a third or trade for a veteran like Latavius Murray or Rashad Penny or whatever so that you have the possibility to have greater use for that roster spot than just some guy 
that's incoming as a rookie. And I know we all get sucked into trying to find the James next James Robinson or, you know, the next guy that just comes out of the ether and right away is, oh my goodness, for those two rounds of the rookie draft, it was easily the best player and instantly worth two, three, four X that. Good luck trying to sharpshoot that where we're saying Blake Bortles makes a lot of sense storyline wise on how you can easily get clarity with that roster spot. And the last point will be clarity in a, we're going to cut this guy three months from now is not a bad outcome. A bad outcome is drafting a player that you end up holding. You end up passing on the waiver wire over and over again. They're valueless in the trade market yet you are holding on to them because you drafted them and you end up going to week eight all the way through the season, holding them next January. And, and still, what have you got? Nothing. It's all on the prospect that maybe someday they're going to kind of sort of be good or have a role. Great job with your third, fourth, fifth round rookie picks, because that to me is the, the Jeff Janis is the worst outcome you can have from the late rounds of your rookie draft where they keep sucking you in and you suck the life out of that roster spot and you never really get much of anything other than a lost roster spot for a set amount of time. Yeah. And so just to put a, put a bow on the whole thing, you know, a lot of trades were made. We didn't end up picking, but more than two overall, we had a whole boatload of, of picks. We do have some future picks now, which are even higher and, at that point, when we get there, we'll see and we'll just keep reassessing. But the, the thing with your dynasty team is assess it before you get into your rookie draft. Assess it throughout the draft and, and ask yourself, if I take this player, is how is this player going to improve my roster? Would I be better off, even though I like the name, does somebody like them more? Amon Ross St. Brown, Rashad Bateman, all of those names from Rashad Bateman all the way through, you know, from early second to, to mid third, you may find an owner that's willing to pay you more and your team will be better off. But if you can't find, don't just trade, just to trade. If you can't find the right owner, then take your best player available. The one that you like. There's a whole handful usually right at the, that spot. And, you know, you can get opinions from all different kinds of dynasty owners. You're going to get a different answer each time. So make sure that you like the player. Yeah, that's excellent stuff. And again, I thought this was a perfect draft. We ended up making, we traded a notable veteran away. We ended up trading for a notable veteran. We traded three or four times for players that we viewed better and having more utility for our contending team and for the format than the later picks. We acquired future picks. We explored trading up, as Katie mentioned, for Kyle Pitts. Notably, we had an action plan to start. We were highly active. Um, I don't know the count. We probably sent at least 50 trade offers, if not more, throughout the first four or five rounds of this draft. And it had a little bit of everything. The format does. But also, I think that's the approach you need to have generally in your rookie drafts. Be open to trading for veterans. Be open to trading up, down for future picks. Um, be open to drafting veterans. I think that's also an un, uh, unexplored area for many teams. And when you get to round three, four, five, they firmly come into play. They could be backup running backs that you're drafting rookie running backs that 
are not guaranteed of a number two or sometimes even a number three role on their NFL depth chart. And so be careful, know the time value, know how crunched you're going to be for roster spots based on your specific team and also the format and the roster depth. All those things come into play. And some of these answers that you ask yourself may be easy. They may be easy. You may be sitting there at 102 and say, the, uh, you know, I'm not shopping this pick. You know, I really want this player. That's fine. But just in general, be open to the possibilities. We had no thoughts going into this draft that we were A, trading away Carson Wentz, B, acquiring Dalvin Cook, C, specifically targeting any of the players that we acquired in trading or the future. We did talk about acquiring future picks, but just be open to all those possibilities along the way. And we're not saying you drain an eight-hour pick clock all the way down to 30 minutes every single time. But when you get on the clock, we knew... Jalen Waddell was a glaring name late in the first round that people were going to have interest in probably more than Mac Jones, probably more than Trey Sermon based on ADP, based on experience level of, of previous rookie drafts this year. So all of those things come together in terms of, you know, spend some time, send an off a wave of offers or two, see if counter offers come back. You may get something accepted, uh, knowing the price point you're willing to trade, uh, to move up like for Kyle Pitts. So all these things to me, it was the perfect draft to go over with the format, the, the number of moves that we've explored that didn't work out as well as the ones that did. Um, I wanted to thank Katie so much for coming on as well as being just a, a great co-owner where we have these conversations, whether it's trading or drafting with, our co-owned leagues all the time and iron sharpens was it no steel sharpens steel no iron sharpens iron <laughs> i'm trying to think yeah. of it uh, steel sharp, both actually but steel sharpens steel yeah there you go uh but basically again you put two heads together uh and, and you end up getting in my opinion the best of everybody uh it eliminates downside it increases the ceiling and it, to me it increases the quality move rate uh, whether it's draft picks, trading, uh, setting lineups, and just building a strong team overall. Um, Katie Flower is available on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Support the show. You hear this straight through, no advertising. Go over to patreon.com slash UTH. Get some bonus and exclusive content over there. Just had an ADP mover series for May into June. So you can check that out at all the skill positions. Tim Torches on the weekly show. And of course, Get all the shows like this. We talk in-depth strategy. We talk about trading uh, and a number of, uh, of points about your rookie draft, startup draft, and trading in general over there at utshdynasty.com. I'm Chad Parsons. She is Katie Flower. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. <laughs>